let's not be silly and think that since we made it to 2021 that we've left our problems behind. Some people are talking about 2021 like January 1st is this magical spot on the calendar that bad stuff that we have gone through is all gone and this new chapter has now allowed us to start all over. I mean, I thought seriously, like like we all had to hold out till December 31st and at midnight a prince shows up with a glass slipper. I hate to break the news to you, but a calendar date and a time on the clock does not fix, can never fix what we have gone through or even what we're about to face ahead of us. But there is hope. I want you to understand that, but it's not found in a calendar date. I wanna share with you a foundational verse for us to evaluate what we have just gone through and to navigate this brand new year. This verse for us is gonna be able to evaluate our past, but also navigate this new year. I want us to pray and allow God to use what this verse to do something very special in our hearts and lives today. Father, in the name of Jesus, may your Holy Spirit guide us in these next few moments. Your word is powerful. Your word is enough. And we look to your word, oh God, that no matter what we have gone through or what we're going to face, your word will stand sure. It is a sure foundation for us in Jesus' name. Amen. The physiology of a muscle is incredible. It needs to be torn and put under stress multiple times in order for it to get bigger and even stronger. As it's pushed to its limits with multiple reps, muscle size begins to increase. And I thought to myself, if this is true physically, how about even spiritually? We have faced massive challenges of resistance and stress to our faith this past year. And really, we should be in the best shape of our spiritual lives as we enter 2021. I heard someone say, when it comes to trials and when it comes to storms, always remember this about trials. Either you are in a trial, coming out of a trial, or about to go into a trial. That, that's just the, the nature of life. It's not, that's not a 2020 statement. That is what we all go through. But I want you to understand something. If you go through something, that's not going to be an option. How you go through it, that's going to be the option. And that's what I want us to see today. Someone once said, pain is inevitable in life, but misery is optional. Jesus ends the Sermon on the Mount with the parable of two homes on two different foundations, all facing the same storm, the trial that we just talked about. But there's two different outcomes. One is on sand and one is on rock, and the revealer of the foundation was going to be a storm. Let me read to you how Jesus ends the greatest sermon that was ever preached. This was his conclusion. He tells this story, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them can be compared to the wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came. This is the battle. This is the trial and slammed against that house. Some of us have felt that in 2020. And yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Verse 26, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and slammed against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. One of the biggest things I think is that is missed in this parable on the storm 
and on the foundation is not connecting it to the sobering challenge that Jesus gives even before the story. In fact, I want to read the first couple verses and then let that elaborate the story that we just read. Listen to what Jesus said right before he tells the story, this parable of the two homes on two different foundations. Jesus says in verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my father who is in heaven, that person will enter. Verse 22 says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, we did not prophesy in your name, cast out demons, and in your name even perform many miracles. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. There is a so-called religious person that can speak church talk, but can't stand in the storm. That's what I think Jesus was contrasting here. It's the difference between the talkers on Sunday and the storm standers on Monday through Saturday. And now since, since the church doors were closed, it's really the storm standers really from Sunday all the way through Saturday, all seven days of the week. I, I want to say this. I believe that the man whose house fell in this parable was the man in Matthew 7, 21 through 23. That when the storm hits our home, I don't need someone who knows church talk. I need someone who can stand when the storm and the winds begin to blow in. See, Jesus was telling us that whether you are a Christian, even a hypocrite, or even not a Christian, we're all going to get storms. Both houses in Matthew chapter 7 experience the storm. And we know this last year was one of those kind of storms. 2020 was a storm. Many predicted on the January 1st in 2020 that this was going to be the year of vision. You, you get it? It was a little catchy phrase, 2020 vision. They wrote books. They gave sermon series on how to have 2020 vision. Trust me, they never said anything in those vision things about pandemic, civil unrest, political unheaval, upheaval in their books, their sermons, or sermon series. Because what we're learning from this parable, it's just talk. And we don't need talking for what's ahead. We need an unshakable foundation going into this new year. We need people that can stand, no matter whether it's a 2020 storm or a 2021 storm, whenever it comes, I don't want to be a talker. I want to be a storm stander. You can't predict what's going to be ahead even for this year. Let's just be honest. But you can predict if you'll grow in this next year. See, God's goal is that we just don't go through it, but we grow through it. That the continual resistance and stress on our faith literally starts to build that spiritual muscle. I, I love this forecast. If there's any forecast that we, could, that we can say, I love this. Here's today's forecast. Someone said, God reigns and the sun shines. Let me say that again because that's a, that's a good moment to just go hallelujah. Here's today's forecast. God reigns and the sun shines. That's always the forecast. This verse, I think, is critical in understanding what's ahead. Here's what it says. It's Proverbs 10, 25. When the whirlwind passes, this is almost like the, the ending, the, the, the epilogue the, of, of, the, of, of the Matthew 7 parable. The wicked is no more. That's the house that fell down. But the righteous 
has an everlasting foundation. Let me read it to you out of the message version. I love how, how Eugene Peterson states it. When the storm is over, there's nothing left of the wicked. Good people firm on their rock foundation, that's the Matthew 7, aren't even phased. Not even phased. I love those words. For those who have a rock foundation, they won't even be phased. We all get storms, but some get phased and some fall apart. We all get storms, but not all of us have the right foundation. And this is the challenge for us, is what happens when the storm comes barreling in. I was reading the story of a daughter complaining to her father about how hard things were her, for, for her. The storm was hitting her, was slamming against her personal life. She said to her dad, as, as, as I solve one problem, she says, another one seems to come up and I'm tired of struggling. And her father, who was a chef, took her to the kitchen. And when he filled, he filled three pots with water and placed each of them on high heat on the stove. Soon the pots came to a boil and in one he placed carrots, the second pot he placed eggs, and in the last pot he placed ground, ground coffee beans. And he let them just sit there and boil without even saying a word. His daughter was wondering what in the world is going on here and impatiently wondering what he was doing. And after a while, he went over, turned off the burners, and he fished out the carrots, placed them in a bowl, pulled the eggs out and placed them in a bowl and poured the coffee into a cup. And turning to her, he said, Darling, what do you see? She says, I see carrots, eggs, and coffee. He brought her closer and asked her to feel the carrots. And she did and noted that they were soft. He then took an egg and broke it. And after pulling the shell off, he observed that it became a hard-boiled egg. And finally, he asked her to sip the coffee. And she smiled at its rich flavor. And she asked, what does it mean, Dad? Listen to this now. He explained that each one of them faced the same adversity, the boiling water. But each reacted differently. The carrot went in strong, hard, unrelenting. But after being subjected to the boiling water, it softened and became weak. The egg was fragile, its thin outer shell protected by a liquid interior. But after sitting through boiling water, it started to get hardened in in its really personal storm. But he said the ground coffee beans were unique. By being in the boiling water, he said they changed the water. He asked his daughter, when adversity knocks on your door, which one are you? Do you harden? Do you get soft? Or do you change the world that's around you? I'm just telling you, after this year, I'm hoping the church, this church, Times Square Church, is a strong cup of coffee. Not softening, not hardening, but changing the world around it. There is a story in 2 Chronicles 28 that I want to tell you about that really begin to show us that whole issue of carrot, egg, and coffee. Shows us this whole story of which foundation it's on. Let me, let me just kind of give you the synopsis. The name of the king of Israel at that time was Ahaz. The name of the enemy attacking Israel was Assyria, and Assyria's king was Tiglath-Palneser. Israel problem, Israel's problem at this time was not Syria. Israel's problem was their spiritual condition, and this attack revealed their spiritual foundation. This was going to become their storm their boiling water. They had a sand foundation at that time. And when that happens, the battles reveal our spiritual lives. See, Israel always had enemies coming against it. And the church will always have enemies coming against it. And we individually will always have enemies trying to bring us down. 
but I want you to get this. Your greatest defense against raging storms, whether it's 2020 or 2021, is your foundation in Christ. See, storms come to all of us and either expose us or they'll grow us. Where was Israel spiritually under Ahaz? If this is true, here's what it says in 2 Chronicles 28, 19. For the Lord humbled Judah because of Ahaz, king of Israel. For he had brought about a lack of restraint in Judah and was very unfaithful to the Lord. And here is the verse that I want you to grab onto going into this new year. This is the verse that I want to give to you because Israel's spiritual temperature was in 2819, very unfaithful to the Lord. And that is going to determine their battle response, their storm response, their trial response. That's going to be verse 20. And this verse is what I want you to grip hold of going into this new year. This is where I want you to evaluate and navigate like we talked about. Here it is. So Tiglath-Palneser, the king of Assyria, came against him, watch this, and afflicted him instead of strengthening him. That's it. That's the verse. This is what challenged me for the new year. This is what helped me to evaluate and also navigate. See, the battle afflicted him instead of strengthening him. See, I get this now. I can't choose the battle that's coming my way, but I can choose strength. I can't choose what's going to come after me. I, I decide if the battle will afflict me or strengthen me. It's decided, and it's decided by my spiritual life, not the intensity of the enemy. See, because of Ahaz's and Israel's spiritual condition, the battle wasn't strengthening. The battle was affliction to them. That word affliction is a very intense word. It means to frustrate, to oppress. In fact, it actually means to make small and even shorten the life of something. On the other hand, the word strength means to harden, to make tougher, to extend, to grow firm, to even make powerful enough to be able to withstand. See, that's why we always have to ask the question, is the battle, battle making me worse or making me more powerful? See, I didn't choose pandemic. I didn't choose volatile election. I didn't choose racial injustice in our country. I didn't choose church doors, but I can choose strength in 2020 and in 2021. I can't choose the battle, but I can choose being strengthened in the battle. See, in Ahaz's case, the battle made him go from bad to even worse. Look at the verse that comes after this. This is verse 22. It says, now in this time of his distress, that's the affliction, that's the storm, this same king Ahaz became, here it is, yet more unfaithful to the Lord. Ahaz became more unfaithful instead of becoming stronger. That was because of the foundation. And that's why you have to ask yourself, do I come out of trials stronger? Do I come out of 2020 stronger? Do I come out of 2021 stronger? It has nothing to do with the intensity of 2020 or what's ahead in 2021. It has everything to do with what's on the inside of us. How do you know that, Pastor Tim? You could take it on any example. Think about your last relational conflict. Did it make you bitter? Did it make you more untrusting of people? Did you say, I'm, I don't need to have any more friends. I'm just going to walk with God. Did, you, did it make you pull out of a church or make all pastors and leaders suspect? See, when those kind of things happen and you see those battles become affliction instead of strength, 
We don't look at the conflict. We look at our walk with God. Sometimes we're looking at the wrong thing. We're looking out instead of looking in. When those things that oppose us don't strengthen us but afflict us, then something has gone wrong internally because battles expose foundations. See, the foundations of the homes in Matthew 7 can't be seen unless there's a battle that comes, a storm that comes, the hot water that comes. Ahaz in 2 Chronicles is a sad spiritual story. He's the son of a godly father named Jotham, but something revealing takes place in his life. The battles that strengthen the godly afflict the ungodly. Let me say that again. Battles that strengthen the godly, that's the the working of the muscles, the stress, the reps that strengthen the godly literally weaken the ungodly. The greatest way to grow in adversity, the greatest way to grow in a storm, the greatest way to grow in a difficult year is a vibrant walk with Jesus Christ. Life's battles harm the ungodly, but grow the godly, strengthen the godly. See, always remember this. Life's problems will either conform you to the image of Jesus or deform you. I choose conform. That's why two people can go through similar situations and one come out bitter and the other come out better. That's Matthew 7. Similar situations, similar storms. I've watched it. I've watched it from from everything from a miscarriage to an untimely death of a family member. I've watched people go through the same thing And I kept thinking to myself, what's the difference between bitter and better here? And it's because of the foundation. William Jenkins, one of the great Puritan writers, said it this way, as the wicked are hurt by the best things, so the godly are bettered by even the worst things. So you always remember, battles will come. Growth is optional. And hallelujah, I choose growth. See, if we're walking with Jesus, I think we should be in the best shape of our life after 2020. This year of one big battle. Our answer today, going into this new year, is not simply getting a vaccine, that that's, though that's important, or going maskless, having a maskless lifestyle again. I can have strength with a mask. I can have strength without a vaccine. I can have strength with a church door closed because the strength is based on the foundation. Do I let it afflict me? Do I let it strengthen me? Are we coming out stronger going into 2020, not just simply breathing. See, the greatest protection against being swallowed up by 2021 even is going to be our walk with God. I think the New Testament anchor verse for strength coming out of tough times is that great verse, Romans 8, 28. You know it. And we know, Paul says, that God causes all things to work together for good to those that love God and to those who are called according to his purposes. But I believe that the phrase that gets lost is really the key. Listen listen to the key phrase, to those who love God. That is the relationship phrase. That's the foundational phrase. The first part of that verse, all things working together for good, is only connected to the relationship phrase that Ahaz didn't have. That the second man on the in Matthew 7 didn't have, who was a talker, but not a storm stander. The, the way that all things work together for good is because we are in love with God, falling in love with God, and growing in love with God. I think this is the challenge for all of us. I think this is what God is wanting to do and the depth that God is wanting to work inside of us. I 
I, I don't think I ever read a whole book in my life until it was my junior year in high school. And I had to take a course in high school called a reading comprehension because I needed the credits. And that first book that I ever read through was called Screw Tape Letters by C.S. Lewis. It was, it was on the reading list in a public school. Go figure. And it was that book that started me on a, on a journey that I fell in love with reading and fell in love with books that started me on a journey with tens of thousands of books in my library. It's, it's a strange book, even C.S. Lewis said it was. It's about a senior devil writing to a junior devil how to make a Christian fall, how to afflict instead of strengthen him. And, and remember, this is a, a senior demon writing to a junior demon. And C.S. Lewis writes these words. He says, this is, this is the devil, this is the demon writing to a little demon. And he says this about Christians. He's speaking about Christians. He will set them off with community, that he is God. He will set them off with communications of his presence, which though faint seem great to them with emotional sweetness and easy conquest over temptation. He's saying there's going to be seasons that God is going to seem real. But he never allows this state of affairs to last long, the, that revival moment. Sooner or later, this is, where, this is where it gets so good. He, God, withdraws, if not in fact, at least from their conscious experience, all their support and incentives. He leaves the creature, that's the Christian, to stand on its own legs, to carry out his will alone when they've lost, it seems, all communication with, with God. Now, here's the part I want you to see. He writes these words. You're going to see it on the screen. It's during those tough periods, much more than during the peak periods, that it is growing into, that that person is growing into the sort of creature or Christian he wants it to be. Hence the prayers offered in the state of dryness or the battle are those which please him, God, best. He wants them to learn to walk and must take away sometimes his hand. And if only the will to walk is realized, he is pleased even with their stumbles. This, this moves me. Sometimes he wants us to learn how to walk and he'll take away our hand, his hand. And even if we stumble during those times, he is still pleased with us in those battle moments, in those hot water moments, in those storm moments. And when we face those, I want you to listen now. Your foundation, the storm, God's textbook, God's book is the word of God. And I don't think it can be seen any clearer than in Matthew chapter four, where Jesus faces Satan head on. It's Jesus coming face to face with Satan, his storm, his hot water, his, his, his choice, not of the, temp, of the temptations of the battle, but his choice to grow strong. And I'll show you that Jesus leaves that strong, not afflicted. He faces three temptations in the wilderness. Let me read to you Jesus' storm. He is, he is starting into ministry. No one has been healed yet. No sermon has been preached. This is right before the Sermon on the Mount. He goes into the wilderness and here's what it says. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted, that's the storm, by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. But he answered and said, it is written. He goes to the textbook. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple, 
and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and on their hands, they will bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, on the other hand, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said, go Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and began to minister to him. I want you to see how powerful and really how diabolical, both powerful and diabolical, this temptation is. Because it comes right on the heel of Jesus' baptism in Matthew chapter 3. Remember what God the Father said to Jesus in Matthew chapter 3. When Jesus is coming out of the water, he says these words to him. A voice out of heaven, Matthew three seventeen. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. The Father said, this is my beloved son. Notice the first temptation of Satan. In verse 3, he asks these questions. If you are the son of God. Satan attacked Jesus right where God spoke to him. God said, you are my beloved son. I'm well pleased. And Satan says, if you are the son of God. See, he takes, he takes really, he has no originality. It's the same thing that Satan did all the way back in the Garden of Eden. Hath God said, did God really say this? And that's what he's doing even to Jesus here. But three times, and this is what's key for firm foundation. Three times Jesus said, it is written. He went back to the word of God to fight every attack of Satan. And I want to say two things about this before we close. Number one, if Jesus needed the word of God to defeat the devil, what makes you think or, I th or, or me think that we can do it without it? Jesus, I believe, was setting a precedent for the storm. He was saying, do you want to be strengthened? Then I'm going to show you. I'm about to fight the main character of hell, Lucifer. Not a junior devil, but the, 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 the Lord of the underworld. And I'm going to show you plainly how victory comes. No, no amount of counseling, though there's value in counseling. I'm not dismissing that. No church attendance or even somebody else praying for you. And I'm not dismissing that either can ever replace and be a substitute for the word of God in your mouth and in my mouth and in my life. See, a wordless Christian is a powerless Christian and he can't be a victorious Christian. That's why one of the first questions I ask people that come to my office that are in a battle or a struggle is I'll ask this question. Tell me about your time in prayer and your time in the word of God. And what's amazing in almost 40 years of ministry, I've never had anyone say to me, you know, I'm reading the word of God an hour a day, praying an hour a day, but I can't stop gambling or I can't stop the anger or I can't stop looking at pornography or I can't stop hitting my wife. Never heard that in almost four decades of ministry. What is amazing is that people think that counseling or other people can fix it and they don't need, they need my word, but really what they need is God's word. Give the word of God prime time this year. 
I made a commitment that before I'll even look at a newspaper, before I'll look at the news, a Wall Street Journal, that I have to look at what God is saying to me. And this is what's important because some have lost that passion for the word. They become lukewarm to this book, to this Bible. They've, they've, they've looked at it and they've lost, they've lost the fire for this. That lukewarmness is something that I want to believe that God is going to help us to fight and overcome. I, I heard someone say this one time. They define lukewarm as this. I still believe in God. I'm just not a, that excited about him anymore. And I'm telling you, God is worth being excited over. And his word is worth being excited about. In fact, I want to challenge you. You've heard the commercials. We've talked about it at the New Year's Eve celebration. We've talked about it um, on different social media platforms. I'm so excited about the 260 journey. This is not some, some pitch for a book. It really is a challenge for Christians to even start with the 260 chapters of the New Testament. It, it literally is taking those 260 chapters, there's 260 weekdays in a year, and to begin to go through a chapter a day, read the devotional that goes with it, and get the word deep down inside of you. From Matthew 1 to Revelation 22, it's the word of God that can become your foundation going into 2021 in a storm. You could take your connect group through it. You can go through it personally. You can, whatever God would lead you, this is a moment, I believe, that God wants us to get us excited about his word again. And finally, I believe that every book of the Bible is powerful. We're just talking about the New Testament, the 260 journey. But every book of the Bible is powerful. Every book of the Bible, I believe, has devil-defeating power. Pastor Tim, what do you mean by that from this temptation? Jesus said, it is written three times. And here's what's crazy. And every one of his it is written's came from the same book. Listen to it. He said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. He said, it is written, Matthew 4, 7, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Matthew 4, 10, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. You ready for this? They all came from the book of Deuteronomy. This is Deuteronomy 8.3, 6.16, and 6.13. Some of you are thinking, Pastor Tim, I can't even spell Deuteronomy, let alone quote something from it. And Jesus just showed us the power of the Bible, even in an obscure book. He showed us you can beat Satan even with the book of Deuteronomy. This is incredible. You don't, it's not just Psalms and Proverbs. God goes, every book counts. Jesus goes through the most intense demonic battle any person could ever face and has ever faced on this planet. Jesus is face to face with Satan himself. And the question is always coming up. Affliction or strength? You decide. Ahaz had that decision in his hand, but he didn't have a foundation. So affliction was inevitable. I want to close by showing you how Luke describes the beginning of the battle and the end of the battle. He starts the temptation off and how Luke ends it. Listen to these words. So this is Luke's version of Matthew 4. Here's what Luke says in Luke 4. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan. That was the water baptism. That's the Matthew 3. And was led around by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. And when they had ended, he became hungry. 
it says, and he was tempted by the devil. Listen to me close. From verse 3 through 13 comes the satanic encounter. Comes the storm beating like a Matthew 7 home, on a Matthew 7 house. It was the hot water that the father tried to show the daughter. It was Assyria fighting against Ahaz. And now the question is, how does Jesus leave this? How does Jesus come out? Afflicted or strengthened? Does he come out like the, the carrot, the, the egg, or does he come out like the coffee? How does he end this thing? How does he come out? And what Luke does is so powerful. Remember, he's led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And here's what it says, verse 14. And Jesus returned. This is the verse right after the final temptation. And Jesus returned to Galilee. Here it is. In the power of the Spirit. He goes in led by the Spirit, returns in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through all the surrounding districts. This is incredible. I want you to walk out of 2020 in power. I want you to enter this new year in power. And I want you to remember, you, don't, you can't have power unless it's God's power. You need to have God in order to have the power to leave that way and to walk into it. Pastor Tim, how does that even happen? See, going into this new year, if you're faced with the intensity of 2021, as we evaluate and navigate, let me just say this. Affliction, does, the, does hard times afflict or does it strengthen? And here's the part I want you to get. It's all based on the foundation. It's all based on the relationship. It's all based on a God relationship. So if you say to me, I choose strength, you can't choose strength unless you first choose God. Because all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose. That's the relationship first. So Pastor Tim, you're talking about in order for me to choose strength, I have to choose a relationship with God. That's, that's exactly what I'm saying because that's where the power comes from. It was God's relationship. It's because God spoke to his own son and said, you are my beloved son. And today he wants to say that to you. You are my daughter. You are my son. Well, Pastor Tim, how does that happen? It's a relationship with him. Not a religion, it's a relationship. And Jesus calls that relationship very clearly. In John chapter 3, verse 3 and verse 5, he calls it being born again. Well, I thought I had a relationship with him, Pastor Tim, when I was water baptized or I had my first communion or I've been to church or I'm a good person. I'm very religious. My parents are religious. Those are all good things, but that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said that relationship if you want to experience God in your life, if you want to walk out in power and walk into power, it has to start with a relationship with God. You need the God of power. And that relationship is called being born again. That's what Jesus said. No man can see the kingdom of heaven unless they're born again. In fact, he says in John 3, 5, he says, you must be born again. And we can't make optional what Jesus says is a must. So the biggest question you have to ask yourself in 2021 is not what's ahead. Are we gonna, is there more of this? What's gonna happen in this next year? That's not the question. The question is, have I been born again? It's the most important question you can ask yourself. How does that happen, Pastor Tim? 
I want you to understand it's as simple as ABC. Just like we would tell our children in, in learning something brand new. It's the ABCs. And each one of those letters correspond to something that literally brings that relationship and helps you to evaluate and navigate a brand new relationship. A is admitting that I'm a sinner. It's when I get honest with God that all of us, starting with me, have a condition and it's called sin. Can't be fixed by a priest, a pastor, a promise, even a program. We need help to fix this. I am broken on the inside. You are broken on the inside. And the diagnosis is sin. One pastor said, we're not mistakers in need of correction. We're sinners in need of a savior. And we need more than a second chance. We need a second birth. Well, Pastor Tim, how does that happen? That's the B word. It's believe. Admit that I'm a sinner. A, B, believe that God sent his son to fix that sinful condition because I can't fix myself. See, if we could fix ourselves, then why would God had to send his son 2,000 years ago like we just celebrated on Christmas? Why would God have to send his son on that Christmas night? But he went through the, he went for us. He became the sin bearer for us. If I could get myself to heaven by being good, then Jesus would never have to have come and especially die on the cross. But he died the death that I should have died. Lived the life I couldn't live. and Gave me a reward, heaven and forgiveness that I didn't deserve. And then finally, see, it's confess. Confess Jesus as Lord. The goal of God was not to get you to watch a sermon on a, compu- a laptop or a or an iPhone. It's not to get you to sit in a church seat. That wasn't the goal of God. To say, give me one day a week or give me a couple hours every week. The goal of God was eternity. Was to get you to heaven. See, coming to church or watching church online or coming to church in person, it simply is religion. That's the, that's the Matthew 7. That's just, we're not interested in church talkers. We want storm standards. And being born again is that relationship that Romans 8.28 talks about. It's that relationship that Jesus had with his Father that we can be led into a storm and leave it in strength and power. That's why Christianity is not coming to a place, it's coming to a person. And today, you can confess him as Lord. That word means boss. Romans 10.9 and 10 says, you're in charge of my life now. You're the one who calls the shots. See, just as you had a first birth physically and have a birth date, we need a second birth spiritually and need a spiritual birth date. And today that can happen. Wherever you're at, I want you to pray a prayer with me. I want you to ask God right now. Say, I want that relationship. I choose you, God. So you can't choose strength in the battle until you choose God first to come into your heart and life. And wherever you're at, whether you're sitting in a living room, whether you're in a home, your car, you're outside, I want you to pray a prayer with me. Maybe you pray it as a family. Maybe you pray it as a husband and wife, or maybe you're alone right there, and you just go, God, I, I want that relationship. I need strength. I need God. So how does that happen? I, I want you to pray this out loud with me. We're going to take all those ABCs and put it right here, but let it come from the heart. Come on, pray this with me. Say these words. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe You are the Son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for it. You faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to go. 
You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven and a purpose on earth and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is my home. In Jesus' name, amen. You know what you did when you chose God? You know what you did when you chose that relationship? You chose strength in the battle. You chose strength in the storm. You chose that no matter what I go through, God is with me. Hey, you made the best decision to start off 2021. In fact, if you did that, I want you to do me a favor right now. It's going to just take you a moment. I want you to text this word, DECIDE. You're going to see it on the screen. D-E-C-I-D-E-D to 88202. We're going to send you next steps on this brand new relationship that you have. This is exciting. Today is your second birth date. Your born again birthday. You decided for strength. I'm excited for you. God bless you. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this message. And be sure to subscribe so you can receive new messages each week. Visit tsc.nyc for all the latest info on how you can stay connected. Also, don't forget that you can follow us on social media on all major platforms at Times Square Church. Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great week.